Hello, hello, hello. This is The Mighty Rewind. My name is... That's not it. What is it? <laughs> All right. I'll Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Mighty Rewind. This is a weekly podcast for three brothers. Take a look at a movie and a topic from popular culture that you may or may not care about. My name is Tyler. Hey, you got Brian here. And you've got Jeff. And uh, this uh, this is going smoothly right off the top. <laughs> <laughs> um, this week, we're actually just going to do our recap of uh, 2022, as we do or have done um, for the last couple years. Uh, first episode of the year is always a recap. So we're going to go through some of our favorite things, the things that we really liked, and also some of the things that we maybe didn't like as much from uh, from last year. Um, if where do, sorry, what's up, Jeff? I want to jump in here and say, if there's some historian that's listening to this, like hundreds of years in the future, if that sentence doesn't make sense, because we just said, this is the first time, this is the first episode. And yet we have <laughs> years of historical data. Um, yeah, that might be a little confusing for you. Yeah. Should I start the podcast and be like, this is the mighty rewind, the podcast formerly known as the clever kids. <laughs> uh, let's just act like we've never done this before. I think we're doing yeah. a good job so far. <laughs> we'll act like we've never done it before, but constantly refer back to things that we've done. Um, and we'll just, you know, keep that running through. Uh, for anybody joining us, we did just change the name. So, yeah, there's your explanation. Um, so, in previous years, we started with best and worst video game. I think that that's a fine place to start again. Um, and I'm going to start this year because I only played one video game that came out in 2022 because right after that uh my son was born and i have not touched my playstation since he was born um and so my best game was horizon forbidden west and guess what it's also my worst game because it's the only one i played from 2022 and i really liked it but there are things about it that i didn't love um i still love the action and combat of horizon forbidden west i like the characters i like the world building um, I think that the story this time was not as compelling as the story last time. And, uh, yeah, I think that there was just some sci-fi elements that I sort of felt didn't work this year, this time, but otherwise, uh, still pretty solid game. Gameplay is awesome. So it's the best and the worst for me just because <laughs> it's the only, only new game I got around to, um, who wants to go next? I'll go next. Uh, I'm not the biggest gamer either, but at the same time, uh, I got a little bit more of a, a list than that. Um, I, I had a tie for best game. I put down Pokemon Violet and NBA 2K23. Um, I don't know how many people are getting joy out of both of those games. I'm feeling kind of like I'm uh, straddling two uh, groups of people with these two games. But uh, Pokemon Violet, uh, you know, if Jeff has you know, these new Pokemon games on his list, I can let him elaborate further, but if not jump in here, um, I thought it was really cool to kind of have an open world Pokemon game. Uh, you know, we grew up in the nineties when Pokemon was just becoming a thing and, you know, for it to kind of get away from the, you know, being on a track and just going forward and backward, um, style game, uh, was, was super fun just to get to go wherever the hell you want, do whatever the hell you want to do, beat gyms in any order you want. Um, and they, they made the interaction with the Pokemon um, feel way more realistic. Uh, and what I mean by that is you can literally just, as you're 
you know, walking through the, you know, glade or whatever, and you see a Pokemon just like hanging out by itself, you can walk up and just throw a Pokeball at it. You don't need to get into this like cut scene where you're interacting with it. Like you can literally just fight them or throw a Pokeball at them without um, any kind of warning, which is how I feel like I would approach it if Pokemon were real. Just run up and sneak attack them with a Pokeball. Um, so super fun I mean, game. That is kind of what they did in Detective Pikachu. Remember, they like go and they find that Cubone and he just throws a Pokeball at it. And <laughs> I don't remember that scene, but I did yeah, see the movie. That's all. They don't like fight the the. They don't beat the Cubone into submission. Exactly. <laughs> there is a part of there is a part of Pokemon that I think is is hilarious when it translates to reality, and I think you just hit on it, which is like literally every time you interact with a Pokemon, you're either knocking it unconscious or beating it with <laughs> within an inch of its life in order to tame it. Like it's kind yeah, of it's a beating violent. the shit out of it so that you can love it. Yeah, exactly. Like. <laughs> Exactly. Let me ask you this. So, so for this one, it's, it was cool to kind of... It's established lore in Pokemon that you can't capture an unconscious Pokemon. But you right. can put it... You can drug it to sleep and then catch it while it's sleeping. How is that any different? Well, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. Either way, it's pretty upsetting. The whole world of Pokemon, if you really examine it in any way outside of the game, in like any realistic context, it is a horrifying world that no one should want, like want to exist in. But especially considering how cute all the animals are drawn to be, and then it's just like you're just beating the shit out of them all the time and well, forcing them to yeah. fight each other. It's pretty. It, well, I mean, the, uh, the we've biggest talked about it before. But. We don't. We didn't need to get too deep into the to the story, but yeah, just the concept of like. 12 year olds running around with these things that are essentially like nuclear warheads, you know, with mines, you know, like yeah. I'm just picturing a kid standing there out in the open with a battle going on and like the opposing Pokemon is shooting surf out at somebody and he's not in danger at all. Like, or are they just immune to attacks? Like, how is it that, you know, humans aren't getting hurt in these interactions? I don't know. Well, in the Pokemon animate, I mean, we're getting way too deep on Pokemon right now. This is not what this episode's yeah. about. But we, we can in up. the animated series, Ash definitely gets like attacked by Pokemon. Oh, Ash throws like, hands happens. with a bunch of Pokemon. He physically yeah. fights them <laughs> in multiple occasions. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's move on. So Pokemon Violet, uh, I recommend it. Super fun. Um, the other one I had was NBA 2K23. Uh, the reason why um, I have that is because... I, I like buying the the 2K games for, for basketball and for football uh, when they roll out some kind of uh, cool update that the other prior ones don't have. I don't really like the, like, you know, slightly higher graphics versions that don't really add anything new. Uh, this one added, like, a full city for the neighborhood. Um, Jeff and I used to play, I don't know, it was 2K21 or 2K20, um, where it's just like a little playground with a couple of basketball courts and a couple of things you can go do. This one, it's a full city now. Uh, it's really expanded out. The storyline's a lot deeper. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun with it whenever I've uh, carved out time to play. It's typically, if I'm playing alone, uh, the game that I fire up to uh, to kill some time with. Very fun. Um, for mine, I only chose one game because I follow the rules. And uh, the best, single best Every video game. Every single year, we have always done runner-ups. You've, it's not news. <laughs> what's, yours, uh, what's yours, Jeff? I would say that my War? no. So I I I played a lot more video games than than Tyler or uh, Brian did. Um, so definitely played God of War. Definitely played Elden Ring. Definitely played um, 
Pokemon Scarlet Violet, Gotham Knights, Marvel's Midnight Suns, and all of those are really high up there. I enjoyed a lot of those games. Best game uh, for me was Elden Ring. That's the game that has the most versatility. I'm a huge fan of co-op, and that one has three-player co-op, plus combat, PvP, as well as PvE. Just such a versatile way of playing a game if you want free roam, monster fighting, running around as a knight with a sword or magic and fucking killing anything. That's your game. Um, and it's, I mean, it's up there. Elden Ring is game of the year on like most top 10 lists, mm-hmm. um, across like every review site that I've looked at. So that doesn't surprise me. I also know that you really like that. Like what it, that's dark souls, right? Yeah. The, it's the same company from, that does that from software. Yeah. Miyazaki that's right from software. Um, so I know you're really into that and it, I, you were really excited about it because it was the one with the history or the lore kind of established by Germ, yep. right? George R. R. Martin threw yep. in the lore. So it kind of has all of the things that would spell uh, like a deep, rich fantasy world, uh, sword fighting from software game. Like it's it really would have been pretty uh amazing if a game beat that i guess yeah um, and i think the the one book. element that this game offers that i haven't fully been able to take advantage of is that i don't have anyone to play with um i played a little bit with some friends but just i want to go through and beat the entire storyline side by side with somebody i think it'd be a lot of fun um my runner-up if i get to pick one would probably be marvel's midnight suns um this is a game that i was super excited about it's it's actually a game that not a lot of people have heard of but it's uh marvel superheroes um pushing back the forces of essentially a demonic invasion and um super fun uh combat it's turn-based similar to something like XCOM or uh uh, fire emblem but it's also very very rich world building around the characters interacting with each other so you get this team of like 10 to uh, i think it's like 14 um playable characters and once you guys are back at the abbey which is your kind of home base area all of the superheroes interacting with each other. Tony Stark in the game invents this um, internal communication channel called a, uh, I think it's called a spark. And in, or it's the super link. That's what it's called. He calls it a super link. And in it, it acts as kind of like a uh, modern social media, but it's only for the superheroes that exist in this world. So they're posting news articles of the world falling apart while at the same time complaining about who left out the, uh, I don't know, milk and let it spoil. Um, (laughs) And it's fucking hilarious. Like it's 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 very fun. The the fun interactions. Um, you take out three heroes and you just go out on a mission together. And the way that the characters all interact with each other. There's you know you set up the game right and you have Iron Man taking out 10, 15 enemies each round. And it's like oh my god, this actually feels like a superhero game. It's not a standard hack and slash where you have this level one enemy coming towards you and it takes you. 20 different button presses for that character to fall down where in the movies and the comics, Iron Man's foreign that dude in a single punch. Um, in this game, it actually allows you to feel like a superhero because they have varying levels of difficulty for the enemies and you can drop three or four enemies at a time. And it's like, yes, this is <laughs> what it's like to be a hero. Um, definitely captures well, that good. Marvel. Well. Marvel gaming needed a hit because that Avengers game, that I keep hovering over buying, but it's like full price for some reason, even though it got like bad reviews and no one's actively playing it anymore. Yeah. I just want to try it. But yeah, it just got such bad reviews uh, that they really needed a hit again. I mean, I guess the Spider-Man games are, are big, so 
it'll be fine. But um, cool. Well, did either of you guys have a worst video game from 2022 that that you played or? Jeff, you probably yeah. would be the only one that really I, the, has one. The one that I put in there isn't necessarily a game that I think was bad. It's just a game that I think could have been a lot better, which was Gotham Knights. Um, mm, Gotham Knights yeah. is a game with four playable characters between uh, Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, um, uh, Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, and uh, Robin Tim Drink. And the four of them, unfortunately, so much of the, I, I Honestly, I don't really know where the development of this game went. The graphics are stunning. The city is awesome. Uh, and just being able to free roam with a friend is just super fluid and very fun. Um, but I will say like, there's only, I think eight different main story missions. We beat the game in like two days between me and my roommate. Um, yeah, you go through and fight a couple main superhero villains, but it's just not that many. And I was like, okay, well then they must've spent the time developing the characters, but each character really just feels like about half a character. Just the things that you can do with each character. There's just not enough versatile movesets then and what they did was they took the mechanics from the arkham franchise that are beloved and they said oh like silent takedowns uh will be a tim drake thing but not a dick grayson thing that'll be a unique mechanic to this one character and it's like well no you should have given everyone a core batman moveset and then diversified from there but they didn't put as much effort into it to actually diversify the people enough they basically just said well, what are the core mechanics we have and who which character is going to be responsible for these core mechanics and i didn't so like that quickly remind me this is the one that's from wb games montreal right mm-hmm. not the one that's by rocks rocksteady correct right yeah so that's the same team that did arkham origins and not the other three arkham games from the arkham trilogy so it doesn't actually surprise me that it wouldn't be quite as good as a Rocksteady game because they're basically aping like the the style that Rocksteady established rather than like developing it off of something that they were doing. Whereas I think when we see Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League come out, we're probably going to have kind of what you're looking for. You know what I mean? Like a wider set of moves that is, you know, kind of spread across all the different players, you know, in different ways. So. It doesn't surprise me that like WB Montreal can make a solid game, but I do feel like they should be putting more focus into um, kind of creating their own style rather than like trying to replicate someone else's, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, I, I I kind of didn't have any interest in playing that game. And so I think I'll probably stay away from it. <laughs> um, Brian, did you have a worse video game? No, I didn't. I... Uh... I was pretty selective in my gaming this year, so I, I don't really have anything that bombed. Yeah, having a child kind of makes you have to be very selective with your time, I find. So, um, cool. Let's move on to uh, documentaries. Uh, Jeff, in previous years, you have watched uh, maybe one documentary per year. So I'm going to start with you. Did you get to didn't one watch a, this Didn't year? watch a documentary this year. Wow, not even a single doc. Uh, yeah. All right, Brian, it's you and me then. Um what did you, what's your best? You know, and in, in, I'll lead up to this one by saying when I was trying to like pull up all the documentaries to remember which ones I'd watched, I was kind of realizing like I watched what must be considered generally speaking lower quality documentaries because none of the stuff that I watched, and I watched quite a few, 
Uh, but none of the stuff I watched were making top 10 lists for the year. Um, so I, I did. I found the same thing. I was like, but also like the documentaries that made the top 10 lists sounded so fucking boring. I yeah, was like reading. Like, I was like, should I have watched this? And I was like reading the description. It was like, this is so pretentious. Why would anyone want to watch yeah. this documentary for two hours? And I was like, is this like the equivalent of, you know, people that watch reality TV versus like quality award winning shows? You know, like I'm. I'm kind of uh, concerned about my documentary consumption because every time I walk, watch a documentary, I walk away and I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm more knowledgeable about something I, I find interesting. But none of my stuff was making it on the quality documentary list. But uh, that being said, um, I watched quite a few this year. Uh, I just put down The Most Hated Man on the Internet um, for the one that I found the most interesting uh, a little bit earlier in the year. But um, it dove into um, kind of a... Uh, a a time when uh, uh, there was a guy that was popularizing revenge porn on his website. And uh, it just, you know, he was just a guy that just didn't give a shit about what people thought about him and really fed off that kind of counterculture style um, approach to, to his internet presence. And uh, a lot of people got hurt by it and, you know, on his website. And it was just a fascinating look, you know, into what happened during that, you know, kind of situation and realizing that it happened at a time when I was in high school, you know, and that I didn't know about it before. I thought it was really interesting um, to learn about it after the fact. So um, I picked that one for my, my best of the year. Yeah, it definitely that one was interesting. It also, the yeah, it just it existed at a time where the Internet was still the Wild West, like people didn't really know. You know, adults and like the cops and FBI didn't really know how to navigate the Internet in the way that like teenagers did because we had grown up with it, you know. And so they were just like flabbergasted when it came to like laws around this or like the concept of revenge porn or anything like that that this guy was doing. Like they had no real understanding of it. And so they had to establish a new like methodology and like laws surrounding it basically. And it really came to like other people to kind of take it down overall, which is very interesting. Um, all right. So I wrote down a couple, I had a similar issue as you, Brian. So what I ended up doing was just searching like best documentaries on Netflix, best documentaries on HBO and best documentaries on Hulu on three separate tabs and just kind of writing down the ones that I watched from there. Um, so for number one, I actually have a tie for Untold, the docuseries that was yeah, on Netflix, okay. which was a bunch of sports documentaries that kind of dove into things that maybe you had heard of, but never really gave a second thought. You were just like, oh, that sounds crazy or whatever, and just never really paid attention to it. I'd say like every single episode of that uh, was was very interesting. Yeah, that Manti Teo one was was... Yeah. I would put that shit should have won an Emmy or should win an Emmy. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like he's such a mind. pure guy. He is such yeah. a pure guy. He did not deserve what happened to him. It was crazy to learn more about that situation. I think it's also one of those things where it's like, you know, I thought I knew what happened and then watching that and hearing his side and her side of the story was so interesting. And also just being able to, to speak to the, the woman who, the trans women who kind of did this to him and like understand their perspective on it and why they did it. And it is sort of a thing where it's like, they were struggling with their own identity and didn't really think about another person because they were so consumed with like figuring out who they were. And it just sort of is like this perfect storm of, you know, 
Yeah, it just it blew my mind. Uh, and I, I would say they put a pretty close attention to every story. Um, and yeah, there was like a week or two where Brian and I were texting back and forth like pretty much every day because I was just watching each episode day by day. Um, another one that was like that, which was also on Netflix, which is my second number one, is Worst Roommate Ever. I don't know if, Brian, you ever went and checked it out after I recommended it, but it's a series of episodes where they just talk about people who get into weird living situations off like Craigslist trying to find a roommate or a place to live. And then that person ends up being an absolutely terrible person and most often like a murderer (laughs) or serial killer, uh, which was crazy. Yeah, just really, really crazy stories of people just like kind of ending up in the worst situations possible. Um and then I had another three that I really liked. Tinder Swindler was just like a crazy story. Um, Our Father was horrifying to find out that that exi- like people like that exist. And then uh, the Jimmy Savile uh, documentary subtitled A British Horror Story was just like a harrowing account um, of a, a man that I had never heard of, but was like a very big part of british pop culture and uh to find out what he had been doing behind the scenes and like how closely tied he was to the british monarchy uh, and how they sort of helped shield him from the press for years uh was really really harrowing uh, very upsetting to find out but a very solid documentary and then one that made a lot of people's top 10 lists and i have been really really eager to see and i don't know when i'll be able to but i would like to is uh, The Beauty and the Bloodshed, which is sort of a story, parallel story of um, like uh, the Sackler family and uh, another family and kind of through the through the timeline of the opiate crisis, how like this like low income family and this very rich family kind of like cross over and just sounds really good. And I really want to see it. Um, hey, I've already got a uh, front runner for 2023. I was going to put it for 2022. I just w- finished watching it last night, but it's the, uh, the Bernie Madoff documentary on Netflix. I'm, I'm halfway through right now. The monster it's of Wall good. Street. I just finished it last night. Yeah. yeah it's, but I think it released this year. So can't, can't be I think mentioned. It just released. Yeah. Um, but pretty good. Anyway. I do like, I am liking it so far. They have, there's an HBO Madoff documentary also that came out last year. That was okay. It was just fine. Um, did you have a worst documentary, Brian? Uh, I put, I put inventing Anna on there. Uh, (laughs) wait, is it, that's not a documentary. It's a docu-series. It's, it's about what happened with her. Oh, the inventing Anna one was the, no, it's about inventing Anna was the drama series. Uh, Is that not a docu-series? I thought it covered the events of what happened to her. A docu-series is like a documentary series, like the Madoff one. Okay. All right. Where well, it's like th- more than one episode. Whatever. But... I, I'm counting it anyway because it was so bad. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it. Um, there's way better documentaries about the Anna Sorokin situation than like that drama series that was just not very compelling to me. Um, for me, I have Low Country, the Murdaugh Dynasty, is a documentary on HBO Max about an ongoing criminal case, and. The case is so interesting, but they, it could have been like a one hour story or like one and a half hour. Instead, they did three one hour episodes and those three episodes, they had to, they had to find color to stretch them out. And instead they like brought accusations against the family that are not, not well researched. They don't have enough solid evidence. It's just, it's not, 
a solid case. And so it just sort of felt like they were, I mean, look, like there's a chance that all of those things are true, but there was one specifically where they're like, yeah, everybody thinks it was this guy and they have no evidence as to why they think it's that guy, except for that. They just don't like this family. And it just, it really didn't sit well with me and I really didn't like it. Um, there's enough going on with the Murdoch case that, um, they really didn't need to add that. So I, it's a, it's a solid skip for me. Um, there will be a way better documentary that comes out eventually. So I, I do want to add now that Brent's talking about that kind of TV show, I did watch the dropout, which is the Amanda Seyfried, um, <laughs> again, not a docu-series guys. Yes, it's it is. a full dramatization. Of, I am of real counting world it. Events. <laughs> I watched a docu series in 2020. I also watched uh, I watched Willow, which is yeah. a docu series about <laughs> uh, Mad Mardigan's children. <laughs> Mad Mardigan's children. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, the dropout was good, but uh, no, not a uh, not a docu series. So. Um, nope. Um, okay. Let's move on to best album or song from 2022. We're not really a music podcast, but it is a part of popular culture. So I wanted to give us an opportunity to shout somebody out. Um, Jeff, who did you uh, who did you come with on this one? I went with the Rex 2022. I actually saw a fair bit of live music um, with, you know, it's kind of nice with with the world almost getting back to the way that it was. Um, and with me being close to San Francisco that I can go and, and see live music that's you know pretty frequently there. It's a very common place for people to go and go. So I went and saw four different venues. I went and saw probably eight different bands um, with throughout various headliners and stuff. But um, The Rex is going to be my recommendation. They released an album in the beginning of in March of 2022, I think it was, called Sonder. Um, and I really like it. Um, I actually bought a T-shirt from them as well that that uh, says Sandra and I wore it to one of our podcast recordings shortly after. Cool. Um, Brian, do you have a uh, best album or song from 2022? In previous years, you've passed on this, so I'm interested to see if you come good, with one. Good memory. Uh, I'm gonna pass again. I I'm not a big <laughs> I'm not a big um, you know seeker of like what's new in music i I tend to go to what i know Uh, i'm that guy that will say i love the beatles and then when you ask me beatles related questions i'll kind of just punt a couple of those just because i'm not that deep into it but i think they're cool kind of thing um sure yeah you've never really been like a big music guy and a lot of the music that you really really like comes from like the 80s and 90s (laughs) that's fair to say yeah so i'll just say whatever sam smith came out with in 2022 i'm on a big sam smith kick right now Oh, he's got that unholy song. That's a pretty good one. There you go. With that Kim one. Petrus or whatever. That's, I picked that one. I actually like that song quite a lot. Yeah, I'm dude, a he's, big fan he's of, got skills, bro. Or he, yeah, they, big fan I of Stan, Sam. Yeah, I think I think they go by they now. Um, okay. But Sam Smith, yeah, big fan of him of them <laughs> of that <It's> tough person. <laughs> um, a uh, very talented musician and have been a big fan for a very long time, and uh, they keep coming out with hits gotta say it um all right this one might come as a surprise to people but uh i went with uh the red re-release taylor's version by taylor swift the whole album i she was my number three most listened to artist of the year in 2022 because they released that album and 
to be honest, I've never really been like a true Taylor Swift fan. I, you know, she's pop. Like, it's fine. Like, I hear it and I'm like, that's a fine song. Like, it's it's not unpleasant to listen to. But then this album came out and there was so much like dialogue around it that I was like, okay, I'm going to like, I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to play the album all the way through. And then when the album ended, I was like, that was a good album. I'm going to listen to it again. And then I pretty much did that every day for a month. I only listened to that album for like a solid month. And I got to say, man, like I, I get why it was such a big deal back then. Um, and it, this re-release was really impressive to me because I think I went and listened to the original release and I can, I can hear the difference in like the production quality. I can hear the difference in like her vocal range. Like she has matured as a, as a singer and as a musician in general. So the production is way better, way crisper. Her vocal ability is just truly like, you know she's she's very very good she's a very good musician so uh had to give it to her she she had the best album of the year uh for me uh and that's not even including her new release album midnights which i also thought was pretty good so um yeah i i am a uh i'm a fan of taylor swift now guys hell of a year taylor Um, nice job yeah good job um all right now let's go to uh Favorite new to you pop culture item, something that you that you found that's from any year, but you found it this year and it just made your, you know, your daily rotation or like really left an impression on you. And it can be a movie, a book, a podcast, a song, an album, whatever. Um, who wants to start? I can start on this one uh, if you guys want. Go ahead. All right, so uh, this is another album. This is the album I listened to the most this year. I, I had like 46,000, what, minutes or hours or something stupid. However, Spotify wrapped, ca- categorized it. But I had so, I spent so much time listening to music. Um, this one I listened to like for one quarter of that time. It's a band called Man Dancing. Uh, and the album is called The Good Sweat. It came out in 2020. I stumbled upon these guys. I was in their top 0.1% of listenership. I was—I have to be their number one top listener. No one else was listening to this band this much. Um, but I listened to this album more than I listened to the Taylor Swift album. Like it's, it, yeah, by far is my favorite thing that I found this year. I could not get, I still listen to it all the time. Great album, great band. They are actually, I found them and then was like, okay, I got to see these guys wherever they're touring. And found them on Instagram and they broke up. <laughs> I was like, no, so God you damn it. I miss them. You're immortalized yeah. as a top listener now. Yeah. I, uh, I was like, God damn it. <laughs> um, perfect timing. But anyway, um, yeah. So shout out to those dudes. I think they're from like Boston or something, but solid, solid album guys. Um, cool. Brian, you want to, or Jeff, do you want to go next? Um, so I didn't necessarily couldn't think of a specific thing that I like fell in love with from a different year, but I also had something that I wanted to plug that there was no other topic for me here. So I'm just going to go ahead and plug in um, the Brandon Sanderson novel that released on Brian's birthday, The Lost Metal, book four to the uh, Wax and Wayne story. Fantastic book. Everyone should read Brandon Sanderson, our Lord and Savior. Um, he is a prolific author, and I am having a blast reading it. Our next topic is literally about something you read. You could have plugged it there. 
Anyway, uh, Brian, what did you? Oh, do? Yeah, I was going to ask it. The same. I guess I thought these were the same question. Never mind. I guess I was going to ask Jeff about uh, Sanderson. Actually, I was going to say, did I discover him in 2022? Is that when I started embracing it? Or was that last? Year that was prior? last year uh, because you talked about a Brandon Sanderson novel last year. Yeah, because um, I've been buying you audiobooks for every Christmas for the last like two years. So that's right. That's right. Um, I I punted this one again. I I didn't have a whole lot. I'm not a big uh, chaser of new. So so wait, questions. no, no, no. This is favorite pop culture item from any year. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, perms. <laughs> <laughs> like the hair care thing yeah. where you curl I love, your hair. I love perms. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. I hate you guys. I'm never doing another one of these with you. You guys suck. Yeah. Yeah. That's Anything. It. You watched, we watched so many movies for this podcast last year. You didn't have a favorite of those. Those came from so many different years. Um, I hate you guys. All right, whatever. No. What's the best thing you read? <laughs> and this doesn't oh, have to be a new book. So best thing you read doesn't need to be from this year. It's just what you read in 2022. Yeah, I've got so, something for this one. Yeah, I bet you do. Go ahead. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and pitch my favorite author. My pro- These are prolific authors. Name's Brandon Sanderson. He released a book on Brian's birthday called The Lost Metal. It's the fourth <laughs> book. <laughs> I swear I've heard this before. <laughs> It's so good. You guys got to read this this author, man. This is not only is this the first episode of the Mighty Rewind, it might be the last. Uh, <laughs> um, Brian, what book did you re- what books did you read this year? Uh, well, so first off, my answer is uh, my first answer is going to be uh, the thing I enjoyed reading the most was not a book or any other common form of read uh, medium. It was the Reddit comment threads for the Kevin McCarthy Speaker of the House votes the, the last few days. Have you guys been reading those? Because they've been yeah. hysterical. I guess it's 2023, but man, no. I've been dying laughing. Reddit is like my least favorite website because it's just one big comment section. And I hate comment sections on uh, websites. They just I'm stress the, me out. I'm the complete opposite. I think, you know, I, I find... People just jumping in with one-off comments to be hysterical, especially when they feed off each other and do a good job of, you know, lacing in puns I'm or curious, humor or whatever. Brian, have you ever gotten to a, a Reddit argument? I don't comment. I'm I'm a lurker. I, I never, just like reading. Never commented. I I've gotten. I don't give. I don't comments. care. I don't care about expressing my own opinion. You what? <laughs> so you get into arguments on reddit is that this is worth it for the x-men the x-men subreddits are are pretty dicey (laughs) in there people people have some controversial opinions about avengers vs x-men and and they need some truth spoken to them oh yeah i don't i don't ever comment it's not worth my time it's worth my time Uh, just reading about other bullshit opinions but expressing my own i don't care whether you care about what i think i I do love following a good reddit or reddit argument though you just see the people just shitting on each other left and right oh man very yeah and the the kevin mccarthy stuff people just been lighting this dude up sweet sweet uh you know justice on this guy uh last few days been really enjoyable read uh that was a uh uh you know, me trying to be funny, you know, I obviously the Brandon Sanderson stuff, I'm not going to keep plugging him here or we're going to have to turn into a Brandon Sanderson uh, podcast here shortly. Um, I also was given a a book that I, I'm a couple, ch- couple chapters in on. Uh, it's called Path Lit by Lightning. Um, it is a biographical book about Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe being uh, possibly the greatest athlete who ever lived um, was a... Uh, 
football hall of famer for the NFL, um, was great in college as well. Uh, also a lacrosse hero, um, and also a, uh, multiple time gold medalist in the Olympics for the decathlon. Uh, just an absolutely incredible, uh, athlete and native American, um, who faced some real challenges because he competed, uh, in the early, early, early parts, the first decade of the 1900s. So at a time where society wasn't very embracing of minority cultures and he overcame a lot, um, haven't finished it yet, but, uh, you know, as I find time, uh, just an incredible read about an incredible human being. Uh, that sounds really good. You, did you say you got that as like a physical I, book or did you get it as an audio? I actually have that as a physical book. Yeah. I normally buy mm. stuff on the, on the iPad now if I'm going to read anything just to save space, but I have that one in a physical book. It's kind of nice to have paper. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I actually read and I'm doing read with quotes here because I, I downloaded audible this uh, year and got just like kind of plowed through a bunch of audiobooks. Um, but my favorite one is actually one that I'm only three quarters through and it is Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. Now this is a book that came out in, I think 2017 or 16 or something like that. Um, I have read a lot of Neil Gaiman's comic books. I've never really gotten into his novels, uh, but this one um, I checked out. I actually got it on my local library's audiobook service called Libby, so I got it through for free, but um, I'm loving it. I think it's really good. It's also read by Neil Gaiman, so it, you have kind of like this unique uh, opportunity to kind of hear it the way that he wrote it i guess you know what i mean the way that it kind of was coming across in his head um and yeah i just i've always found him to be a very talented writer i really like his use of prose but um hearing him kind of speak it or you know read it out loud to you is is a uh, relatively unique experience i find and i probably will end up reading i looked through the rest of his audiobooks that is on uh, libby and he reads all of them so i may be jumping in and uh reading a lot of Neil Gaiman. Um, another one that I listened to is one that I actually bought in physical and then put down immediately after the first chapter because it was so boring. But it was like one of the highest rated sci-fi books on Audible. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to spend a credit and I'm going to get through this book. And I listened to it and it was just fine for the most part. But it introduces a very, very solid uh, sci-fi uh, thing that I had I'd never really considered and I'd never seen anyone used uh used but previously so the book is called Dark Matter uh by Blake Crouch um and I'm gonna spoil this book for you guys because neither of you are gonna read it but uh so full spoilers for Dark Matter by Blake Crouch uh skip ahead about 30 seconds to a minute here um the concept is a, there's a man he's married he has a kid he gets kidnapped by an alternate universe's version of himself and sent to that alternate universe. And then that alternate version plugs into his life, right? So he steals his life from him. And then the, the version that was kidnapped is using the technology that is left over in that world to hop between worlds to get back to his wife. By the time he gets back to his world, all of the different versions of him... So it's all multiverse theory, right? So every decision you make branches off and creates a new another universe where there's a version of you right well every decision that he makes while he's on his way back 
creates another version of him that is also trying to get back. And so hundreds of versions of himself make it back to his world and he has to fight them for to get back to his wife. And I was like, whoa. So it becomes like never... a Highlander style or like the Basically, one? Basically, yeah. So there's like all these versions of him that have almost exact, they're, they are essentially the same person who left his wife. You know what I mean? Like, who's to say which is the original one? No, what? There's no way to check, right? right? One there's went, no alpha universe. One went left so on the, this street, and the other one went right, and suddenly there's two of right. them trying to get back. Exactly, and you're the same person, and now you have to fight yourself. You know what I mean? And they're like, they end up having to kill them. Like, there's just like a big battle at the end, and I was like, wow. <laughs> so it's just the, a bunch the, of one guy killing himself. Yes, I was like, wow. This. This book for the first three quarters was so dumb and by the numbers multiverse. And then just the last like hundred pages, it's just like, holy shit, this got crazy. So like, is the I, one that you follow throughout the narration, is he the one that survives? Yeah, he is. And uh, it's not like the way that they do it is kind of dumb. But like just that concept, I was like, wow, I had never, I've never seen multiverse theory used this way. And I actually love just that that conceptually it's like the because under it's like, it's like the it's like the mr meeseeks thing it's just like just this out of control thing that continues to get more out of control as it goes oh and there's just like thousands of versions of him by the end of it the crazy like, the crazy thing is and, about that because it's the same guy over and over again it doesn't really matter who wins the fight right exactly they're all the same guy they all deserve to be with her so you're just kind of hoping that the one that you're following wins but like only matter. because you've been following yeah. him the whole time you know what i mean otherwise it's it's the same version of him that left. So they all deserve to be with her, essentially. Um, and the way that they get away with it is they just leave their universe and go to an adjacent universe because their universe is fucked at this point because there's so many versions of him just shoveling in through the portal that, like, the, the world is just ruined by, like, just thousands of himself fighting himself. You know what I mean? <laughs> it just feels like a story that wouldn't translate very well to a movie. Like... I, I don't know how you would do it, but it did yeah. get optioned by Steven Spielberg's Am Amblin Entertainment. So uh, they're they're trying to develop a movie for it right now, I Interesting. guess. Um, but yeah, that's the main reason I, wa I read it was because I was like, okay, if Steven Spielberg's going to make a movie out of this, I should read it. Um, hmm. And to be honest, I wouldn't recommend the book, but that, tw that twist at the end, I was like, oh, okay, I'm in, I'm in. And then at the end, I was like, oh, okay, you didn't really do that interesting stuff with it. But like that concept just for that you know, last hundred pages, like really got me back. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, there you go. Um, so welcome back. <laughs> Sorry, whoever just ended up, uh, skipping through and then being spoiled anyway, but, um, we're going to move into, uh, TV shows, best and worst of TV. Um, Jeff, why don't you start here? I think that Tyler and I are going to have the same answer for this one because we both watched this show simultaneously and both just talked about how much we loved it. Um, I do have a tie for one, but yeah. My best TV show this year was Andor, the Star yeah. Wars TV show. Um, I mean, I, I talked about it a ton in the in the previous, uh, before the rebranding. Um, love this show. Right. I mean, I think this show is a <clears throat> spiritual successor to the Mandalorian in the sense that the Mandalorian decided to tell a unique um, IP within the Star Wars universe. They decided to say, what happens if I want to tell a Western using a new character set within the same worlds and planets of Star Wars? And um, 
this one decided to do the same what if we told a heist film what if we told a prison escape what if we told you know these different genres of movies that have dominated hollywood for the last hundred years let's uh let's make them into you know seasons or half seasons into plot arcs for these characters all set within semi-familiar characters or at least semi-adjacent familiar characters uh to the star wars property i personally feel like andor this is the only way that we should be doing like sequels to major properties don't give me the same characters recast or tell me their origin stories or anything like that show me who else exists in this world like part of the thing that makes a an an ip amazing and like really stick with people is the world building people don't just fall in love with the characters they fall in love with the world right like harry potter I didn't really want to know what young Dumbledore was up to. I don't really care about that. Show me who else is in this wizarding world. Give me new people. You know, that's why the first Fantastic Beasts, Beasts movies worked and the, the second two didn't. Um, and Andor really does that. And that's the reason that Rogue One is really good. And the other Star Wars sequel series that Disney has done it haven't been that good. is because they're relying too heavily on what came before and not expanding. Um and yeah, I think Andor is really the perfect way to expand a universe. Um, it just, it truly is really, really good. Brian, oh. did you ever make it back to, uh, to it? Yeah, or? I'm a couple episodes in. It's, it is really good. I, um, you know, it's one that I have to watch on my own, so I have to kind of find opportunities to do it. So it's been a slow, slow process, but, um, you know, I've gotten a taste of what you guys are talking about. It is a really good series. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, it's definitely my number one. Uh, my other, Jeff, sorry, Jeff, did you have any other number ones or runners up in there that you wanted I, to talk about? I didn't, but I did want to just echo your sentiment. I think that um, that's why The Force Awakened worked and that's why the other two didn't was they, they expanded, introduced new characters. It was very fun, new IP. And then they're like, oh, what are these two new characters up for the, these, you know, four new characters up for the rest of the story. And I think that's, true they only introduced like two or three new characters each film and they didn't introduce them very well or have them stick around or do anything noteworthy it was just what these characters star wars Hmm. star wars sequels from whatever this is a whole other topic we'll have to talk about this another time but they just didn't give the new characters enough time to develop in the sequel in the sequels to the sequel trilogy that's the problem they introduced interesting characters and then didn't give us anything with them so um brian did you who what did you have for your top tv shows uh rings of power okay that was my other number one yeah rings of power and or and rings of power tied yep rings of power to me just it it was just it felt quality throughout the whole thing i was i was wildly impressed i it was one that i was like man this one's really running the risk of like upsetting me because of how the hobbit movies in my opinion fucked with the universe and like kind of turn Lord of the Rings into a money grab instead of like a real like dive into the mind of J.R. Tolkien and this diverse deep world that he wrote um you know the Hobbit movies are almost insulting to the universe in a way in my opinion the Rings of Power I was worried about it being something like that but I gotta tell you uh you know with all the hype around it because of the money spent on it I it it felt to me the whole time like you could pause it at any moment, take the still frame, and just find richness and quality 
in every frame of the show. I mean, like you could just see the money spent. It was like when you spend more money to get a more quality version of something and you appreciate it more and it's, and you get more back from it because it's better, you know, a pair of shoes that last you 10 years versus, you know, a pair of shoes that last you one year, you know, sometimes it's just worth spending the money. And I got to tell you, I feel like they nailed it with the show. Like every single moment of it, I was, I enjoyed and, you know, getting to dive into the dwarf culture and the elfin, you know, the elven culture, you know, it just, every part of it was just awesome. Yeah, I agree. This, I actually was really, kind of angry i was looking at other top 10 lists as i was building mine and on worst tv show lists uh on variety which is a movie uh hollywood kind of industry rag they put rings of power in like number two on their worst of the year list and i was i was like no way yeah. infuriated by it i yeah, was like it's ridiculous whoever wrote this is a piece of shit who has no taste yeah, and doesn't know anything and their thing was like oh they changed like the 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 lore and messed with the timeline of lord of the rings and it's like they had to compress five thousand years worth of storytelling to make a compelling narrative for a tv show like that's worth it to me i'm okay with a timeline compression for that like it's such a dumb nitpick like otherwise performances are great Sure. Like you I mean, said, production value, absolutely amazing, in my opinion. Sorry, Jeff, what? No, I mean, I agree. I mean, people pe- people don't have that same complaint about, about the Peter Jackson trilogy, and yet they do the same exact thing. They totally compress the, the Frodo exploration through uh, the the world. Dude, I, I understand of none, of, none of the hate. I don't get it. Like, it's, I think the show is great. I, I will say I the, reason, awesome. the reason why I didn't put this at number one over Andor was because I have, don't, believe that they're going to be able to come up with a compelling enough explanation as to why the fuck Sauron went out in the middle of the sea to go find Galadriel. We can talk about this on another episode, but there I I I got really deep into Silmarillion more on YouTube and <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts, but we're going to do the, the this episode's already starting to get really long and we're only halfway through. So um, I just had some some runners up here. I had Severance on Apple TV, uh, Apple Plus or whatever. Liked it a lot. Uh, specifically, uh, Christopher Walken and uh, uh, the guy from. He's in the Batman. He's in the Transformers. What is that? Anyway, he's he's in uh, Optimus Prime. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> whatever that guy is his name is i can't think of it right now uh they those two were really great and compelling to watch um wednesday made my best of because i just i find myself really really liking that show for some reason it just worked for me peacemaker was an early hit for me this year uh that i forgot came out this year the after party i think was also on apple tv very good comedy and then barry again Year after every single year we've done this, I've put Barry in my best of. And again, it this season that came out this year was awesome. Like absolutely incredible. It's such a good show. I can't believe you guys still haven't watched it. <laughs> I've watched the um, first two seasons. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I watched um, episode one, I think. What about worst TV show? Did you guys have? I did. I did. And I think Brian will have some opinions on this. I put... I watched this show on Brian's recommendation and I already said I didn't like it on pod. <laughs> I put 1899 on this, on this list. Oh, as my worst. They just got canceled. You 
piece of shit. They probably are listening to your stupid opinion. Yeah, it did just get canceled after one season, which sucks for everybody who liked it. <laughs> it's just the Netflix way. It just it didn't get very good reviews. People didn't really like it that much. Um, you're the only one I heard that watched it all the way through and was like, yeah, this was solid. Um, don't worry, I shared yeah, one of yours to... with my war stuff, so go ahead. I just, I don't know, like, I, I watched this show, and for me, my reflection at the end of the episode, at the end of the season, was that there was not enough character development all around. They had, you know, these 10 different characters or 15 different characters that they follow, and each one doesn't go through a full story arc. They, they sacrificed so much to just continuously throw randomness and chaos at the viewer only for them to have kind of what I consider to be a little bit of a cheap, cheap reveal that uh, the reveal itself is predictable by like the end of the second episode. And so I genuinely thought I figured it out in the first episode, right? Like I asked you to spoil it for me and I was like, that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. And then I talked to myself out of it because I was like, there's no way they're going to do a simulation and sorry, spoilers, (laughs) but I was like, there's no way as you continue watching. It's just each episode has some crazy, insane thing. And you're like, whoa, and it just continues like, okay, there's no way they can explain these five things. Then you watch episode. Okay. Now there's no way they can explain these eight things. Okay. There's no way they can explain these 12 things. Like, yeah, like shit just keeps getting wheeled and weird and wild and silly. And it's like, okay. And then they reveal it at the end and you're supposed to be like, now everything makes sense. And it's like, yeah, this is the only way things could have made sense. You guys made a nonsensical TV show, um, with no real suspense. Um, yeah. So I, I, was interested i was going to commit and watch the three seasons that the directors clearly wanted to tell um but uh i gotta say i'm not that sad that it's canceled cool my turn uh sandman sucked (laughs) it was sandman almost made my best tv show list but i was just are you kidding me long are you kidding me? i liked it a lot you sell yourself as the person that can like really see the quality of these things and you're looking at that one I and you're sell myself quality. as nothing I just talk about what I like Sandman <laughs> sucked dude I'm just gonna pound the table for that one because that show was objectively terrible there was one episode where he was meeting with a guy every hundred years or whatever that I enjoyed and it wasn't because of his act that main character's acting it wasn't because the show's all that good it was just an interesting yeah, historical dive I well guess what it didn't like get canceled it got renewed so you're wrong and we are right um my worst tv show my worst tv show this year was book of boba fett i watched all of it and was bored the whole way through but just kind of kept through because i knew it was going to connect to the mandalorian so um i just pushed through and watched it but it wasn't that good uh runner up on that she hulk it just was fine i didn't even bother it's not worth it. It just see it was too ambitious of them to think that they could sell the character with the CGI budget that they gave it. Like it just looked weird. It was too in the uncanny valley. Whereas I think that the Hulk really works on screen because they've put so much money into it. It they just it did not work. And then the way that it ended, I was just I was like, okay, this is dumb. It didn't work for me. Um, okay, uh, do we want to do? Let's do best podcast did any of you guys have a podcast that you listen to this year that you want to recommend to people brian i assume 
it was just this podcast. <laughs> was it, uh, uh, I also listened to the Herd, so sports podcast. If anybody cares, um, mm. just Colin Cowherd. He's a a guy with a lot of contrarian opinions um, in in sports related uh, conversations. It's it, it's it's specifically um, sports, you know, mainly football, but he'll get into some other topics, basketball, um, a tiny bit of baseball. He touched on the World Cup a little bit this year. Uh, I've always enjoyed his opinions for the last, I don't know, 15 or so years. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll give that one a plug because it's what I listen to when I'm not listening to this or an audiobook. All right. I didn't know you listened to any other podcast, to be honest. Um, Jeff, did yeah. you listen to one? I have two. I'm trying to figure out the name of, of uh, the other one. But um, Critical Role, season three, going strong. Um, just fantastic. Uh uh, storytelling. It's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. You're following these professional voice actors um, play just really fun D and D. Um, so definitely recommend that. The other one is called The Basement Yard, which is these two best friends that sit across from the table and basically just shit on each other's favorite things. So they'll just pick a topic like favorite candy, and they'll be like, "Oh, Tootsie Rolls." Because like, Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and they'll just shit on each other, and it's very funny. Um, uh, that's what, kind of what I thought this podcast was going to be when we, uh, when I wanted to start it, and it <laughs> that's not what it is. But anyway, um, I'll have to check that one out. It sounds funny. It's very um, funny. I'll send you some clips. I found one this year called Cancelled Movie Report that I have now listened to like each episode twice, and I've sent the episodes to my brothers multiple times, and I'm pretty sure neither of them have listened. But uh, it's just two Australian dudes uh, basically break down. Um, movies that have been canceled they find the scripts online the shooting scripts online and uh they get voice actors to kind of act out some some of the scenes and then otherwise they kind of tell they talk through how it was and talk about casting and stuff like that and uh it's just it's really well done it's a really fun time it's pretty funny and also i just love you know big swings in movies and uh this one kind of fits there so that's my that's my big one there um, all right, we're on to the last few here. Um, best movie of the year and worst movie of the year. Do we want to start with worst or do we want to start with best? No preference. Start with best. Okay. Uh, for me, uh, not going to be any surprise to anyone. My best, everything, everywhere, all at once. If you want to hear my opinions on it, go back. Jeff and I did a whole breakdown of it and talked for like an hour and a half just about how much we liked it and all the different things that we found. I really love it. I think it's really good. Um, had another couple. This was a big year for movies, I think. So I have The Northman, uh, 3,000 Years of Longing, Top Gun Maverick, The Batman, Barbarian, and then a movie I just watched last night that released on Christmas Day uh, called The Menu. It's on HBO Max. Uh, I don't know if you guys have watched it, but we watched, I watched it, it last I, night. We thought it was, I don't know, weird. Oh, I loved it. Kelly and I both really liked it, um, and so uh, it may be a recency bias, but I really liked it, so I'm going to throw it in there. Hi- highly recommend. So there's mine. Brian, what do you got? Uh, you already mentioned both of mine, uh, 3,000 Years of Longing and Top Gun Maverick. Um, everything Everywhere All at Once is also great. I got a similar vibe from 3,000 Years of Longing. I just thought they're, they they both kind of felt similarly um, made to me and, and really fun. Um, 3,000 Years of Longing... I watched most of it by myself one night and then stopped myself before the last like 30 minutes and said, 
I know that my wife's going to want to watch this, so we'll watch this tomorrow. We put it on the next day, and then by that night, we were like, damn, I kind of want to watch that movie again. Like, we really enjoyed it. Wow, um, you watched it three times? I, we didn't watch it a hours? third time, but we uh, like, okay. I basically watched it through twice, and we were already talking about watching it again, and we, we enjoyed it that much. So every, right. Everything Everywhere All at Once, we watched while we were in Iceland and, and really enjoyed that one as well, uh, just in a hotel room, a little subtle flex there. Um, and then uh, Top Gun Maverick was, if, if I had to pick one for like movie theater experience, so much fun. Yeah. Uh, I think they just did such a good job of calling back to the original one while also like making it fun for a, you know, modern day. Uh, and Tom Cruise, I've, I've said it over and over again, that guy just uh, can really command a screen like nobody else. So love that so, movie. Anyone keeping yeah, track? Adrenaline rush. Jeff's Sorry. recommendation of 3000 years of longing, critical success. Brian's recommendation of 1899, critical failure. Sandman sucked. <laughs> Jeff, uh, what is your best movie of the year? You already named both of mine. Um, everywhere, all of one, every, everywhere, everything, everywhere, all everything. at once. <laughs> everywhere, everything, everything, everywhere, everywhere all once. at once. Um, that movie's truly original, very fun, uh, and yeah. just utilizes underutilized characters to just the greatest extent um, in 2022. And uh, phenomenal performances, phenomenal cinematography, and storytelling and writing. Um, my runner-up was Batman, um, but we've talked about both of those films, so I don't think we need to take up too much time. All right, what's our worst movies this this year, guys? I'll go. I put. I'll, I'll start. Oh, go ahead. Oh. Uh, all right. I got uh, Amsterdam. Yep. Did you watch it? I did, and it's also my worst film. Oh my god, dude! I didn't. I made it. This is a movie that I made it an hour into, and then checked how much time was left, and was like. Fuck no. I'm not sitting through another <laughs> hour of this. There's no way. I don't care about any of this or what's happening. This is so dumb. And it is insane how many actors are in this movie that I would put Wait, in my... Wait, isn't my, that the one like, with Christian Bale and... Yep. Yes. Margot Robbie. Yeah. John David Washington. Wow. Chris Rock. Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, Rami Malek. Like, it has... It is... It is nonstop, like just like heavy hitters of like the act, like of the acting world, and it is unbearable to watch. It is wow. so annoying. I yeah, I just I agree. I was like angry after <laughs> watching an hour of it. I, I like at three different points throughout this film. I watched this with my girlfriend. At three different points throughout this film, I turned to her and just went, "What the fuck is this movie? <laughs> like, what yes, is it about? That's what, what Kelly is and the I kept, we kept being like, topic? what is what happening? Is the, like, what what Nothing's is this movie happening. about? I can't <laughs> tell. And I'm 20 <laughs> minutes away from the film ending. Like, what the fuck? Oh, okay. So does it get more clear? No. Because I was an hour in and was like, I could not tell you what the plot of this movie is. It's, like, it's I have no idea so, what they're supposed to be doing. It, it becomes about Robert De Niro, who you didn't even see get introduced, giving a speech with Christian Bale, the cripple, taking bullets for him while he gets shot at by Nazis. It's it's that's the climax. What? <laughs> I don't I don't care. I don't care. Don't tell me. So Dude, I got I got to tell you, man, uh, just to kind of keep this thing going. I, I put down Moonfall. Oh, did you watch that? I watched it. I just threw it on one night while I was just wide awake. And, <laughs> and it wasn't very good. But I got to be honest, man. The menu is way up there. I did not like the menu at all. Like, oh, wow. That's I think, crazy. I think that uh, what's Voldemort is a great actor. But at the same time. Ray Fiennes. Yeah. And, and uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is good, too. Like, I'm not trying to shit on the acting performances. But the movie itself was like. So this is just a, like a spoilers. 
this is just like a rogue chef that just wants to kill everybody and like he can talk people into killing themselves in his office and in you know his whole staff just wants to murder themselves and die with him like i i don't know i just thought it was stupid so I will say certified fresh, 89% are on tomatoes, 78% from audience. I'm so you're that's in the wrong. minority there. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Sandman, Sandman <laughs> and the Menu, two greatest films of 2022, apparently. Sandman uh, is, did not get reviewed that well, but I liked sucks. it. Anyway, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have, I don't even want to get into why it was that bad. The Menu, just the whole time I was just like, wait, so I'm just supposed to believe that these people want to die for this guy and that th- with this, this customer is willing about... to like walk into his office and hang himself because the chef whispered something in his ear and like, I don't, I don't know, I just like all these people wouldn't just freak out and rush the exits. Like they're all just going to sit there and let this continue to happen. There's no way. Like I don't buy this bullshit. It's not supposed to be taken literally, Brian. It's a satire. It's a metaphor just, for modern society. It wasn't for anyway, me. I liked it a lot. So. Uh, and you're clearly wrong because most critics agree with me. Well, why are, you, um, why are you taking Amsterdam so seriously? I mean, him getting shot at by Nazis while protecting Robert De Niro during a speech sounds, I don't know, allegorical. <laughs> <laughs> for for what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it means nothing. That movie was about nothing. And by the halfway point. I haven't point, seen it. I don't know. They just introduce Anya Taylor-Joy and Rami Malek and go on like this weird adventure at their house about rescuing margot robbie oh anya like, taylor joy's is... in that one as well yeah yeah wow, it was she's everywhere this year yeah she's i mean she's good she's she i was talking in the menu i i i um i found i've kind of realized what it is about her she just has like the very expressive face and like i feel like she has like even when she's like great... deadpan like she's got big old she... eyes that like tell you something you... yeah there's just something always going on with her face that like expresses how she's feeling it's like she has like very minute muscle control and so i just feel like she's expressing and i don't know if it's just the eyes or what but like yeah she's just always every time she's on screen i'm like okay she's telling me something with her face you know i don't think other actors do it as well as she did i also think nicholas holt was very funny in that movie um my my other worst movie was don't worry darling uh this is my runner up Mm, but we like that one yeah. See, uh, again, but again, bad, you're bad at this. But again, <laughs> my runner-up, horribly reviewed movie. My runner-up, no one defend. I watched like first like half hour of R.I.P.D. Two. <laughs> That's one I would Why? never touch. <laughs> I threw oh it on God. while my girlfriend was asleep because I was just scrolling through Netflix and I turned it off <laughs> very quickly. I was like, nope. That was a movie that when it hit Netflix, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Isn't that Chris Hemsworth? What is doing here? No. No, that was Men in Black. Men in Black. Yeah, no, it's all stupid. <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, well, I did not know that this movie got, was getting a sequel. Um, and yeah, so I didn't watch it. Um, okay. Uh, who did we put for best actor, uh, male actor? I put Colin Farrell. Yep. Me too. Wow. Brian? Good choice. It's a good choice. Um, I have Patty Considine Viserys from House of the Dragon. I thought, I thought. Based on House of the Dragon? Sorry. Based on his performance in yeah, as House as, of the as Viserys, and I don't know him in anything else. I thought he was really good as as Viserys. Interesting. I thought he really kind of uh, you know sold me on that character, and it made me care about him before he died. So I thought he did a really good job. Uh, well, all right. Uh, yeah, Colin Farrell for me, 
between his role and Peng- as Penguin in the Batman, where you can barely tell it's him, you know? Yeah. Like, actually, you can't. I, I did not like, know it was him. Yeah. I watched it again recently and was watching it, trying to see Colin Farrell in it. And was uh, by the end of it, I was convinced it was not Colin yeah. Farrell. And it's just like a big prank. Because it's so... the It's the best special effects I've ever seen, like, on a person. Uh, absolutely incredible. Um, and then also... His movie Banshees of Inisherin, uh, was just such a completely different role that like it's it's amazing that he can do that. I think that he is truly one of the most overlooked uh, actors of our time. I think he's really incredible. Um, who did we put down for uh, best actress? Anya I put down Anya Taylor Joy, Florence Pugh, and Michelle Yeoh. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy made it in after watching The Menu last night. Um, she was great in The Northman. She was great in uh, The Menu. And uh, yeah, Florence Pugh was in Don't Worry Darling, a movie that I thought was the worst movie. Uh, but I thought her performance was the only thing that kept me going throughout the movie. Um, and you know what? She was my best last year, too. So Wow. Uh, shout out to her yeah. uh, for getting wow. me two years in a row. So... Uh, I will say all of them, I think are great choices. Um, I'm going to add Anya Taylor joy to mine. I hadn't thought of her, but you know, just her, um, contributions in multiple films, you know, this last year, including the menu. She was, she is fantastic. The one I put down was Markella Cavanaugh, which is a uh, Nori Brandyfoot from, uh, oh, rings of power. Yeah. I thought she really, uh, made me want to watch those scenes more than I would have otherwise. Like I, yeah, I straight break up like, out for me for sure. In, in the original trilogy, I never really cared much about the Hobbit storylines as much as uh, some of the other ones. In this one, you know, these Brandyfoots were were the Hobbits. You know, it was kind of like that part of these this show, and and she killed it, man. She was she was awesome throughout it. I I really enjoyed it. I was always looking forward to coming back and figuring out what was going on with her and the stranger and. And uh, she really just popped off the screen. Yeah, I I overlooked that, but she was great. You know, that's like everybody's least favorite part of the series. And it's like my favorite part is the Hobbit part. I don't, I don't understand, but yeah. You she get the most great. like culture exposure definitely when you like go into the Hobbits and, you know, Hobbiton and, you know, with these Brandyfoots, like getting to actually see what their lives are like, their lives are like. Um, but yeah, she, she killed it, man. She was, she was great. Yeah, I thought she was really good too. Um, Jeff, who who did you did you already go? I said Anya Taylor Joy. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, did you have any anything to expand on on that? No, what? I, I mean I really liked her role in The Norseman, um, and mm. uh, I've seen her in a couple different things. And I mean, even, even though I didn't like Amsterdam, like her performance in in Amsterdam was very fun. I don't think anyone's performance was bad. I just think the movie was bad because of the way that the director does his movies, which we'll have to get into another time because I have way too many thoughts on it to really dive into right now. But, um, okay. Most underwhelming pop culture item from this year. Something that you were really looking forward to that just fizzled. It just wasn't good. Uh, mine, I have two. I have Thor, Love and Thunder, and I have Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, these were the two things that last year, it was 
Thor, Love and Thunder, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and The Flash were the three things I said I was anticipating the most. The Flash didn't even come out. And then those two both were not, like, they just, they weren't really anything. They, you know, I watched them and was just like, okay, that was just fine. And the fact that the Obi-Wan Kenobi series isn't the best Star Wars series that I talked about this year is it, it blows my mind because of how much I like that character. Um, I think it's a symptom of having been filmed during the pandemic, uh, unfortunately. But and I think that's the truth. The truth for both of them. I think Thor: Love and Thunder suffered from being filmed in a closet during the pandemic, and I think Obi Wan Kenobi it likewise suffers from from that same issue. Um, and then my runner up there is Black Adam, only because I wasn't really even looking forward to it. But then it also just wasn't that good. So, um, who, who's I'll, who's up? I'll go next because that's a good segue into mine. I put Black Adam, but not for that reason. I actually kind of enjoyed the movie. Um, you know, I liked that there was like a twist at the end with. Uh, I won't spoil it, but there was a twist at the end that you know it just. It didn't even need to be in there, but it was like a little extra flair that landed for me. Um, I thought the superheroes in it were good. I thought the you know the action was great. Um, the the reason why I mentioned it as underwhelming is because now we know we're not getting more. Um, you know, and it kind of just feels like <laughs> now we got to look at it as a standalone film. And I was looking forward to it being one of those like you know the cap you know Captain America uh, OG film that kind of led into the mm-hmm. the bigger universe building. Uh, films and and we're not getting that now so i'm kind of like meh you know like as a standalone film it's it carries less weight to me than it would have if it was a building block for uh, you know a broader team up type storyline and and now i care less about it so um that's why i'll call it underwhelming yeah that's fine with me i have Um, Thor: love and thunder on mine for mine but i think you guys definitely express some of my own opinions i didn't think about obi-wan i didn't think about black adam but absolutely i mean now that i think about black adam the fact that it went from uh dwayne the rock johnson being cast in this role 10 years ago 15 no it was it was around the time that man of steel i don't know it's the first time that i heard about 15 years ago um 15 years ago he signed on with dc a contract with dc but yeah and for there to be so much hype about this movie over the years of watching him in fast five and thinking, Holy fuck, he's going to make a great black Adam and watching him in all these roles. be like, Oh my God, it's going to be a great black Adam. And then to see the state we are at now where he's basically at war with the, the DC executives. Yeah, it's, it's honestly just kind of depressing to think about that's, that's how, where we ended up. Um, Thor love and thunder, I think was a, a lot of missed opportunities. Um, there's parts of the film that I like, so I can't say it's all bad, but um to see where we ended up at the last time we saw the characters with the, with Thor with the Guardians to have that all wrapped up in under five minutes was frustrating to say the least. It makes me feel like not a, like I don't really care about how films end anymore because they're just going to write some new script that they want to tell and completely ignore whatever the established storyline was. There's a huge missed opportunity in, in what was happening with that team, with those dynamics that just got written off. Um, yeah, I think it was probably just too ambitious to film during the time period that it was filmed. And so it just just ended up being really messy. Well, and I, mean, I think then, that that's the same thing with uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was the same way for me. Um, I'll say, yeah, Thor, it was another one that I was looking forward to. And part of the reason out. part of the reason why Thor doesn't land for me is the jokes per minute. Like they just ramped up the humor in this movie to try and 
and and it just didn't land like it's it's they're covering such a depressing topic in some cases and so much darkness and then just to have the main character literally be show no empathy at all and it's like oh it's not really a funny topic um i don't know definitely missed the mark on me for taika yeah i had one more underwhelming one that i i'm realizing i added here in a secondary email i just watched the witcher blood origin the four episode prequel series to the witcher and it was boring as shit and i couldn't tell you a single character's name and it didn't like it just didn't really work in any way and i just i really didn't like it and michelle yo is in it which is upsetting because she was so good at everything everywhere and then she's in this and i'm like wow she's not bad in it but she's just in this piece of shit <laughs> and that made me sad uh, but it. she's she's fine I, di- I really didn't like it. I was like, this is dumb. We watched the trailer and we were like, yeah, I'm not touching that. That's just. I can see why Henry Cavill is like unhappy with what Netflix is doing with The Witcher. I get it now. <laughs> um, so anyway, I uh, yeah, pretty underwhelming. If especially with how much I like the the first two seasons of The Witcher and I'm like anticipating um, the new one, the new season. Um, Cool. Did we we fully covered underwhelming everybody, right? Anything else? Cool. Uh, all right. There's a new topic here or a new category. Biggest surprise of the year. Something that you weren't looking forward to but blew your mind or really stuck with you. Um, I am putting the directing uh, the directing duo, the Daniels. Um, I didn't really know anything about these guys until everything everywhere all at once came out. And then I loved that movie so much that I went through, I watched their other major movie. I went and watched all of the music videos that they've directed over the years. I watched all of their short films. Like I've watched, I've now consumed everything that they have ever produced uh, together and separately. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm a massive fan of them. I had no expectations of what they were going to do. And uh, they're now like on my top, top of my list of like favorite duos, uh, favorite directors. I'm I'm very excited to see what they do uh, with their careers. So that's my biggest surprise of the year. Uh, okay. Jeff? You go next. Yeah. Um, for me, uh Besides Will Smith slapping the living shit out of Chris Rock live on stage. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was not prepared for that. Did not realize that was going to be in the cards for this year. Um, No, pop culture, I would say uh, Pokemon Scarlet. Brian touched on a little bit earlier. Um, I was familiar with Pokemon. I track all the releases. My girlfriend's a huge Pokemon fan. This game caught me by surprise. Um, I did not realize that Pokemon was going in this direction. And in this rate, I mean, I've played probably six seven of the of the pokemon entries um between gen one through three and then seven eight and nine i think um and uh i fucking love this game um this is the first game that i've ever brought a pokemon to level 100 this is the first i've got six different friends who play this game like religiously i've got four different friends who have completely maxed out the pokedex um I log on and wow. beat the seven star raids whenever it comes out. I'm almost done with the Pokedex myself. Like this game is thrilling. It's probably the most amount of hours I've ever put into a single Pokemon game. I'm like 70, 80 hours in. Um, it's a blast. Um, 
I did not realize I was going to get this much longevity, this much content out of this game. And so huge surprise. Uh, I know that there was a lot of backlash around this game, around the, the frame rates and the graphics, but I don't play Pokemon for stellar graphics. That's what I have Square Enix for. Um, Dude, I never had any problems with it. It was fine. Like it, it people were was more beautiful than like, it. I mean, I was playing the old, you know, 2D, you know, pixels. So I don't understand right. why people are complaining. It's nice, man. It's people really are mad cool. that, that Nintendo's got all this money and that they can release Breath of the Wild in, what, 2017, 2016? And have it be this like stellar, beautiful game, and then have this game come out, and it seems to be graphically inferior, even though it's one of the largest selling titles in the world. Um, which there's some value to that statement. I don't care personally. I don't play Pokemon for graphics. I don't need it to be 1080p. I don't need it to be this incredible, um, you know, journey. I'm I'm there to collect digital monsters and uh, fight. Brian. What about you? Uh, Biggest surprise. I'll echo Pokemon a little bit, but uh, the one I'll spend my time talking about is Willow. Um, the original movie being from like the 80s and being, you know, like this old Lord of the Rings light, you know, film that I would describe it as a, a true classic, but uh, for them to roll it back out and the way they did it landing for me be, was a surprise. Um, they, I think I mentioned it briefly in the last episode maybe, but they um they decided to embrace like modern lingo with their characters like stuff that people would not say in a fantasy you know swords and magic realm but like the kids describe things as weird and you know just use terminology like that that just sounds like you're just talking to somebody today and for some reason it just didn't throw me at all and like they have you know rock music overlaced with like you know like the sword fighting and stuff like you're listening to modern music and for some reason, I think they just didn't try to make it super classical on purpose, and and I, I think it worked for them. I think you know you just yeah. can't take it too seriously, and and you'll have a good time, and and I did. So I I think that one surprised me quite a bit. Yeah, it definitely carved out its own sort of fantasy niche that like, get, it wasn't trying to be Game of Thrones, it wasn't yeah. trying to be Lord of the Rings. It, it's just like we're just gonna do this whole other like light fantasy yeah, kind of it's thing. Light and fantasy it, is a great way to describe it. I mean, th- it's so easy for me to just throw it on the background. I would never put this in like my top of the list, but I will say this was a surprise. Me liking this was a surprise yeah, to me. Yeah, in like I'm not missing an episode. Man, sure. Willow, like his comedic relief at times is is freaking hysterical. Like this, some of the stuff he says, it just gets me hits me right in the funny bone. Um, the uh, the guy that kind of is like the new Mad Mardigan was freaking yeah. hilarious Borman. throughout. Borman. Borman, yeah. yeah Borman. He is so funny throughout Very the whole funny. thing. Um, and and they they just did a really good job of like having enough seriousness to kind of keep the storyline going. But then just, you know, just throwing in humor just to keep it light and airy. And, and the way that they don't try to take it too seriously, I think, really worked. I'm not going to throw any spoilers in here. But I really hope that Christian Slater, if they do a season two, does come back uh, from from where we left off because I actually was like, I, I was surprised I, when he first introduces himself as mad Martigan. I was like, I was no like what? Yeah. I was like, what? They They're recast. But then <laughs> after a while I was kind of like, you know what? I'm kind of into this. Like if they did just do this as a recast of mad Martigan, it kind of works for me. I kind of appreciated um, that they knew you were going to go no. And then they didn't end up doing that and i appreciated that that was fun yeah i agree but i uh i actually ended up like by the end of that episode kind of being like god i hope he kind of joins this team uh 
and then they part ways. So I hope that he, I kind of hope he, he makes it back because I thought he was pretty funny. Uh, a surprise addition. I did not, when I heard his voice, I was like, what is that Christian Slater in this movie? What is he yeah. doing here? Um, cool. Uh, Anything else? Anyone else got have a uh, surprise of the year? Uh, I want to shout out something that's not from 2022, but uh, Anna and I in the last like few days have really embraced the expanse on Amazon. Uh, the, you recommended so this long- could have been your new to you in 2022. <laughs> Remember that one that you guys passed on? <laughs> Just so first of all, I've been recommending this show to you for <laughs> for like five we years. We tried it. We tried it a couple times. Okay. Like I, I feel like I watched the first episode like four times, and like I just never got to episode two. And then the other day we were like, "Eff it, let's just throw it on, see what happens." And we got a couple episodes in, and just suddenly we're just wholesale in it. Like we were talking about it every time we turned it off, and we're like, "How do we get back to watching another episode of this?" You know the uh, what's the guy from Hung? Um, Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane plays I'm this. Sorry. From Hung, not the Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> he plays this uh, quirky detective with a weird haircut, and he's not like this big bravado, uh, you know, hunk like no, he's been in other he's stuff. He's kind of a loser. Yeah, he's kind of a weirdo. Yeah. Like, and he kills yeah. it. I think he's great. Like, yeah. I don't know. He I wears really a fedora. It. He's kind of lame. <laughs> yeah, but I, I really enjoy it. Like, I, the two yeah. uh, storylines running kind of concurrently or whatever. Uh, I was I didn't care which one was on. I was enjoying both of them. I t- tend to find with movies like that I'm I care more about one than the other and I'm just kind of waiting to get through one to get back to the other and this one I was just like I was finding myself completely invested in both. So I I you know I I, I think it's great. I I don't know if it's canceled at this point or what. I know they've got 6 seasons no, to enjoy, but they made it through to the final season that they wanted to get to. But awesome. one of the characters ended up having to get kicked off for the show because he had like multiple sexual harassment oh, uh, accusations, which is unfortunate. But um yeah, that show is based on a series of books written by George R. R. Martin's two assistants and uh um it, they're very good books. I actually like the books more than I like the show, but I liked the show quite a lot as well. So I'm glad that you finally checked it out. Um, very good. And the books. So that's your retroactive new to you in 2022. <laughs> Sorry, what was that, Jeff? So and the books continue on past the show. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I haven't. So I'm. I am not fully caught up on the books, but um, yeah, uh, that is a very good show. So that's a good one. Um, okay. Most anticipated. We're wrapping it up here. Uh, this episode's actually quickly becoming our longest episode ever. <laughs> well, it's our first episode. Uh, Wouldn't any episode be our longest episode ever? I'm not deleting our back catalog. Uh, it's still there. So all this like reference to first episode shit is just going to confuse new listeners only. I'm just fucking um, with you. Um, most anticipated for me. Uh, I have a list here. I am throwing the flash in here just because I want to see what this mess ends up as at this point. Like it's been like in development for seven years or something stupid. And uh, we still haven't seen it. It was supposed to come out this, it was supposed to come out in 2020 and then 2021, then 2022. And now it's supposed to finally release in like March of 2023. We'll see if they actually get it out. Um, Ant-Man uh, Quantumania, just because I want to see Jonathan Majors is doing as that villain, Kang the Conqueror. John Wick Chapter 4, Mission Impossible, Barbie, because a really big fan of Greta Gerwig, the director, so I'm interested to see what she does with this 
this concept. And then my number one most anticipated is Oppenheimer by Christopher Nolan, which I think comes out in 2023. Um, just, uh, you know, really excited to see what he does with that. So, um, yeah, that, that's my number one. Brian, I'm going to shoot it over to you. What's your number one? Uh, 80 for Brady, the feel-good story about four retired women that journey to go see their hero, Tom Brady, in the 2017 Super Bowl. I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Quantum Mania, I want to see uh, Kang the Conqueror like flesh out more, I think is the mm-hmm. honest answer. Um, and also Fast and the Furious 10. Yeah, I'm hesitantly excited for that as well. I just at this point, I just feel like they're going to be racing rocket ships on Mars or something. I, I don't know how you keep up in the ante, but fuck it, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I'm most excited to see the trailer to see what they, uh, what yeah, just like I want to know what the concept is that they're going with in this one. Like so, um, Jeff, what do you got? What is your most anticipated? I I also put Quantum Media on here. Um, I'm ready. Isn't for- that crazy that the Ant Man the third ant-man is the one that we're all anticipating it's because of king it really care about ant-man i would care about i no. i mean i came out and said that after endgame i think that the mcu is the greatest cinematic achievement ever um yeah the the concept of you know 20 something simultaneous films all building towards this anthology of overlapping storylines recurring characters all to tell this just insane storyline kang's gonna be the defining point right now to determine whether or not um, he's the next Thanos, right? I mean, right, I assume well, he's the we, next. We're going to see, right? I mean, we're going to see how yeah. they do it. That's the idea. Well, this is this is going to it, determine whether or not the MCU really continues successfully. Because right yeah. now, Phase Four isn't being received well. Phase Two wasn't received no. well with Ultron, um, with those films. But Phase Three brought in Thanos like fully. So hopefully, Phase Four kick. You know, Phase Four to transition to phase five brings in you need, a, you need another universal threat and it exactly. seems like it's going to be and king so that's what i'm anticipating i'm i'm optimistic that it's going to go well and i'm hoping that this will be the future of the mcu and they will prove that they can adapt new and future um old storylines to be able to uh keep this cinematic universe alive because i like this content yeah um, i will say anything phase two oh go ahead oh sorry Phase two wasn't as big of a failure as phase four was because phase two still had solid movies like Civil War. I mean, sorry, Winter Soldier. Um, I, I don't, there was just like, there was a series of really good movies that did come out in phase two, but the end of phase two was just sort of like, ugh, cause you also had Thor the Dark World, which wasn't as great, but I would put phase two still above phase four. Phase four was like a major disappointment uh, as far as Marvel came. Like, they really needed to come out and prove that there was a reason that for us to keep coming back after Endgame. And so far, they have not done that. They haven't fully lost me, but I got to tell you, if Quantumania is another dud, then I'm probably pretty done on Marvel. You know, I'm not as going to be as hyped on it. Uh, so, yeah. sorry. So, Brian, what were you going to say? Oh, good. Brian, did you have something? I was going to say it's it's got to be just Jonathan Majors, man. It's the next... Um creed coming out in 2023 yeah. as well okay i'm gonna yep. say that one too then because i just anything that jonathan majors is in i i've i have enjoyed so far he has not had a single yeah. dud for me um so i think just every time i see that he's going to be in something i get super hyped so yeah that's where i'm Granted, at right i now. haven't seen his most recent movie the 
the one where he's like a pilot yeah in World war one or whatever i haven't seen that i i, I haven't seen but. it yet either but I, I i saw something about it and i'm looking forward to sitting down and watching it so that was yeah, my i oh go ahead no you go ahead i was gonna say that was my most anticipated film i also kind of broke down into different topics and said other things that i'm also excited about yeah um most anticipated game i put final fantasy 16 i'm a big fan of the final fantasy franchise um I, I, I platinumed Final Fantasy 15. I liked Final Fantasy 7 a lot. I'm playing Crisis Core right now, which is the Final Fantasy 7 prequel. Um, and I'm like, I'd like us to get back to not necessarily a remake. While I do enjoy Final Fantasy 7 and, and Crisis Core, I want new IP. I, I want new expansions. I want new characters. I want new worlds. And this one's getting back to medieval swords and sorcery Final Fantasy, which is great. Um, so I'm excited for it. Um, I also, uh, am hoping that Invincible season two will come out in 2023. Um, right now there is no current release date, but one of the directors, uh, said that we will get an update at the end of January or something. Um, so Invincible, I'm actually rewatched Invincible or rewatching Invincible with my roommate right now. Love that show. Um, really, really incredible writing, Robert Kirkman. Um, and then the thing cool. I'm most anticipating in 2023 isn't necessarily a pop culture thing, but I'm going to go see Third Eye Blind live um, for the first time ever. They're my favorite band, and uh, that'll be a good time. Yeah. That, yeah, I'm excited for you to see them also. So there we go. All right, guys. Well, what? Uh, to any listeners out there, thanks for listening. Um, what was your favorite uh, just send us your list. What is your favorite stuff? Um, the email address is the mighty rewind at gmail.com. So feel free to get in touch with us. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at the mighty rewind. So find us there. And yeah. Last thing. Oh, uh, does Brian. anyone care uh, to agree with me about Sandman the show sucked and perms. Did anyone else like perms? um brian what was what's the topic and the movie that we're going to be jumping into next week uh i want to discuss wish movies and the concept of of wishes and and the cautionary tale that you know they typically uh are introduced with so um we're going to do wish movies as the next round of films and uh as i've mentioned and i think we've each mentioned uh 3,000 Years of Longing um, is one that we have recently seen. I, I might fucking fire it back up and watch it again. I want to dive in on that film. I have to discuss it in depth. So we're going to do that on the next on the next episode. Okay. Yeah. So 3,000 Years of Longing next week and wish movies going forward. Send us your recommendations for wish, for wish movies so, Brian, uh, excuse me, so Jeff and I can uh, have a good one to pick from. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye, guys.